Welcome to the Nordonia Hills Branch Library podcast on nonfiction, a discussion of nonfiction specifically and reading generally. This month's podcast, Scroogeonomics. It has been a while since we've discussed any economics books here on the podcast, and while we try not to hit any textbooks or anything really too dry and boring, I think the last one we did was probably March of 2012 with the Spendin' of the Green podcast, so the time has come for yet another excursion into the armchair economist type of book. And by happy coincidence, since it is the Christmas season, we have a book this month that not only fits the season, but also returns us to those lovely aisles of economics. The book this month is Scroogeonomics by Joel Waldfogel. Now, Joel is an economist, a professor at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania, which is an Ivy League school, and he knows his stuff, obviously. He's written a slim little volume in which he expounds on his thesis, which is just this. His book proposes that the gift-giving that accompanies the Christmas season, the buying sprees, the closeouts, the rush of shoppers at the mall, is actually destructive somewhat to the economy, because of the loss of value that the gifts undergo once they are received by the recipient. Even the author himself acknowledges that there is a reason that economics is called the dismal science. Now, how is this value being lost, you may ask? Well, let's look at this. He likens the Christmas season to a, quote, red tornado that descends every December, depositing gifts that are unwanted, unappreciated, and generally unliked by the majority of recipients, while simultaneously causing no small amount of angst on the part of stressed-out shoppers. Now, how does he come by this proposition? How does he come by this theory that the gifts are unwanted, unliked, or unappreciated? Well, he looks at it as an economist would look at it, of course. He doesn't necessarily discount the idea of gifts as a token of appreciation or love, but in terms of strictly numbers, he takes a much more sober look at things. When you buy a gift, you are buying a gift that you hope will be appreciated and received in good humor by the person that you're giving it to. Now, depending on how well you know the recipient, that is the crux of the theory. If you know the recipient well, you will buy him or her a gift that has value to the person who's receiving it. In economists' terms, think of it as if you buy a $100 gift, what would the person who's getting the gift pay for it themselves? If you buy them a $100 sweater and you think it's really snazzy, and they look at it and think, I wouldn't pay $20 for that stinking sweater, then you have lost, or destroyed, as the author would say, $80 worth of economic value right there. Now, of course, there's always perfect gifts that can be acquired. He gives a number of examples there. One of which is, imagine you're looking for that rare comic book, if you're a fanboy out there, and you've been looking for it for 20 years, and you would pay likely $100 for it. And your wife, or your son, or your father, or your co-worker happens to find it at a garage sale for 5 bucks. You have actually added value there. The author, however, says that those examples are fewer and far between, and not usually the norm when it comes to this time of year. Now, for 146 pages or so, plus notes and appendices, he does cover a lot of ground. 
he discusses cash gifts and how there is a stigma attached to giving cash. He discusses gift cards and how that somewhat solves the problem because obviously you buy a $50 gift card and it is worth $50 to the recipient. However, he also suggests that it's actually only worth 90% of that $50 or $45 because if you extrapolate it out over the entire shopping public, it turns out that 10% of all gift cards are never redeemed or only partially redeemed. So gift cards, while a better solution, is not the perfect solution. And then, of course, there's always the stigma attached to even giving gift cards and the thought that maybe you have not put enough thought into the gift when you buy one. Now, the author gives counter-arguments to his own thesis. One of them is, the reader who's reading this book, well, how does the Christmas holiday and these gift-giving continue year after year without any change if it's so inefficient? If we're destroying so much value, wouldn't people say, hey, let's do it differently? And he has some ready answers for that one of which involves the value of information. Information has economic value. One of the reasons that the free market is so wonderful is because the producers and the consumers know exactly the information attached to a product or a service because the price dictates that information. The example that he gives about the value of information in the micro is something along these lines. Grandma decides she needs to buy her grandson, little Tommy, a gift for Christmas. But Grandma only sees Tommy a few times a year. So what is Grandma to do? Grandma gives her grandson a kaleidoscope, thinking it's a whimsical and somewhat timeless gift. Now, little Tommy wanted the latest hot video game and is bitterly disappointed with his uninformed grandmother. But Tommy was also raised well and doesn't communicate his displeasure with Grandma. He instead says, Thanks, Grandma. It's real nice. Therefore, Grandma doesn't receive any disincentive for her lack of gift-buying acumen. She doesn't receive the information from the person who's receiving it. And so this continues year after year. The author illustrates how this dissatisfaction with gifts received proceeds through a family based on the relationship between the giver and the recipient. The best gift buyers are spouses, or very long lifetime friends, or parents, or children. You know your sons and daughters, you know your mothers and fathers, you know, of course, your significant other, and you know your best friend that you've known since kindergarten. They buy the best gifts. Usually the satisfaction with them is somewhere in the 80% range. And then as you progress farther and farther afield, that satisfaction percentage kind of goes down. So after parents and siblings and significant others, then comes children, then aunts and uncles, then grandmas and grandpas, or grandchildren, if you turn it around, and finally at the bottom are friends and acquaintances. Now, this is not a strict law. There's always exceptions. There's always that random chance that someone will hit on the perfect gift, or hit on a gift that the recipient didn't even know existed, but thinks it's just wonderful. Another counter-argument is about how, well, you don't have to participate. It's a voluntary endeavor, buying gifts. However, he has a ready explanation for that, too. Imagine how popular you will be around the Christmas table if everyone has bought gifts and you decide to stiff mom or your kids or your aunt or your significant other this year. No, the gift giving is pretty much de rigueur for many, many people and it continues from year to year, keeping the institution going. Now, the author is not a complete Scrooge in all of this. He does try to offer some handy solutions and alternatives for the person's gift buying dollars. 
What's really Scrooge-like about this book is that there is some economic gobbledygook that you have to get through. I found myself skipping ahead several paragraphs at times just to get through some very detailed examples of studies, statistics, or examples that he had given to illustrate his points. But with the book coming in at 146 pages, it is not really a steep read at all. Now the reader will find a whole lot of information in here as background, as the author goes into the history of Christmas gift buying not only over the past hundred years in this country, but also how the Christmas buying has affected other countries around the world, and he finds that his theory, at least according to the statistics, bear up in a number of other countries even to today. He takes a look at gift-giving as measured all the way back to the 1920s. Although the stereotype is that Christmas is far more commercialized now than in the good old days, the reality is that folks spent much more on Christmas as a percentage of their total income 70 or 80 years ago than they do today. People today, however, spend about three times more in real dollars than they did 70 or 80 years ago. This basically goes to show how much the American economy has grown over the second half of the 20th century. And as I said before, he does come through with some suggestions or ideas for gift-giving that will make your gift-giving dollar more efficient. You'll just have to check out the book to hear some of those. Another new book that's come out recently this year is called Bargain Fever by Mark Elwood. He discusses how so many people are keyed into shopping for sales or discounts or bargains and that actually 25% of all shoppers will not buy something unless it's a sale or a discounted price. As it relates to Christmas, however, he does present some information including the origins of the blue light special and the man who invented not only the bargain basement, but also was the first person to use in his store the ubiquitous X number of days until Christmas shopping season calendar. This book is not nearly as heavy in the economic theory as Scroogeonomics is, but it's a nice companion piece to the book that we've discussed already today. And to wrap things up on a lighter note, we'll take a look at two new books that have particular appeal not only because of the season, but because of their connection to the local area. These are both books that discuss the making and the history of A Christmas Story, that movie which celebrates its 30th year this Christmas. One is A Christmas Story, Behind the Scenes of a Holiday Classic by Cassine Gaines, and the other one is A Christmas Story, Treasury by Tyler Schwartz. Both these new books have come out well-illustrated and discuss the production, the filming, and the evolution of Christmas Story from a small, low-budget movie into something that is now considered a timeless holiday classic. So if you pick up the Scroogeonomics book and get through that, then you can cleanse your reading palate, so to speak, with one of the Christmas Story books. Both available at your library. Join us again next month when we'll take a look at another topic on nonfiction. Until then, the staff and I wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We'll see you at your Nordonia Hills Branch Library. Music by Love Deficiency, provided by Mevio's Music Alley. Music.mevio.com Thanks for listening. <laughs>